faster than a speeding bullet. More, nope, nope, that, that's it. On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss the 1990 TV series, The Flash. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and joining me today in the co-host chair is the fastest co-host alive. It's the dapper Southern jet, Blake Fowler. Uh, so fast that this episode's already over? Yes. Oh, all right. uh, for Moving Panels, Thank I'm Larry. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wouldn't that be the thing? You just... <laughs> All right. Everybody listen to this on like six times speed and you'll get a feel for what the Flash hears or does yeah. or can see. Look, Be- Bethany, Bethany's probably listening to us on like one and a half speed. I know she does that. <laughs> oh, God. How how do you comprehend something that quickly? I like- she does. No. Maybe Bethany she, has fact, superpowers she, that we don't know about. In fact, if we're ever on a trip and I'm listening to something at just normal speed, she thinks it's so slow. Like <laughs> It's normal speed. <laughs> yeah. No, you you can't speed things up to a faster pace and then say everyone else is slowed down. We're 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 at a normal regular pace, Bethany. If you're not if when you listen to this, Bethany, slow me down to normal speed. This is how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> that is all. Okay. Well, uh, let's get back to <laughs> to the actual episode. Uh, so today, Blake and I are going to talk about a TV show that some of y'all have probably never heard of. Uh, even though this television show is strongly connected to the CW's Flash, uh, this is the Flash from 1990. It bled into 91, but most just like we always refer to the uh, Michael Keaton Batman as Batman 89, uh-huh. this has become known as the, the Flash, Flash 1990 or the yep. Flash 90. What a, however you want to call it. They even called it Earth-90 on the CW Flash. Uh, what a time Anything to be associated with this, okay. yeah. Okay. Did not know that as I did not make it far enough into the Flash show. I think it has ended now, correct? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, the okay. CW Flash yeah. show ended about, uh, close to two years ago now. But I, know, I think John Wesley, did he play Wally West in that? Not to get too far, No, of so he, he first played uh, Henry Allen. Oh, okay. Like, you know, he was Barry's dad, dad, which which I gonna go ahead and talk. So yeah, John Wesley Ship, go ahead and say played Barry Allen the Flash on this show. He then played Henry Allen, Barry's dad, on the CW Flash. And I remember when I sat down to watch the first episode when it aired in I think it was 2014. I remember seeing him, and I got onto Twitter, and I made a tweet about it's awesome seeing uh, the original Flash playing the new Flash's dad. And I tagged John Wesley Ship in the post. And then I'm sitting there watching the episode and I get a notification. I look and it says, John Wesley Ship liked your post. So hold on. The Flash pressed the like button on your tweet. Yes. That's... John Wesley Ship liked my tweet. Laramie, that, that is far more impressive a tweet like than I've ever had. So kudos to you. <laughs> so yeah, I have had a tweet liked by the Flash. Mm. All right, but the this show originally aired uh, on CBS from September 20th of 1990 to May 18th of 1991. And you and I were just talking about this before we started recording. I remember watching this show. I was nine when the show aired. I remember watching this show. Don't know how many of the episodes I actually got to watch, but I do remember this. You remember watching it, but once you found out these dates, you knew there was no way you watched it as it as it aired. Had to, had to have been reruns. I would have been 
four years old for the duration of these 22 episodes. Um, so I would imagine that I was watching reruns. Um, I grew up in a household where my dad was a big Spider-Man fan and was a big superhero fan. And so we watched, you know, Batman, uh, Spider-Man shows and obviously reruns The Flash, I'm assuming, because I would not remember it. Uh, from being during 1990 and 1991. So yeah, my, my memories are of, of great memories of watching it. It was just after the fact that it aired. Yeah. Uh, of course, this was created to ride on the coattails of Batman 89. Uh, and it really shows as you watch this. It really shows. <laughs> Very. But at the same time, so I don't know if you caught in the credits, so the theme song was written by Danny Elfman. I did see that, and it's it's yeah. very, I'm not going to say Batman-esque, but it's very Elfman-esque for that time period, I think. Yes. Um, and it certainly lends to the the air of what they were, I supposedly, aiming for with this almost dirty, gritty central city to mirror that of what Gotham City was in the Batman 89 yeah. movie. Yeah, they, they did keep Central City a little bit more bright and colorful but there still was the yeah, yeah a lot of dark, a lot of dark alley shots and you yeah. know some some and the, the old, lots of murals on the walls a lot of murals, for some reason <laughs> the older automobiles where you couldn't really place what decade we were yeah. in the microphone that the one reporter <laughs> used the big old triangle on it or whatever it was yeah a lot of things were and I don't know if that's part of the, the charm or something that took me out of it, but there were a lot of times where I was like, I wish I would just pick a decade. Like, if we're in the 90s, let's be in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, so I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I like that about, like, the 89 Batman or even the animated shows that came after this, which, again, this music, yeah. the, each episode was scored by Shirley Walker. Yeah. Yep. The fact that the Batman animated series, the Superman... Uh, animated series also kind of gave this you can't really put it in a time art deco-y kind of feel yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, guess, I, guess okay. very, I guess i very can art deco. I rescind my my statement then that's it's not awful <laughs> but the show was written by duo danny bilson and paul DeMeo, who would after this go on and do and write the rocketeer a classic in my opinion i yeah. love the rocketeer so that's pretty cool to know, and it, it that tracks with the Art Deco-y style yep. that that goes into the mm -hmm. writing and the scenery. Um, okay, cool, good little good little nugget there, Laramie. Now you ready for this? They later went on and wrote Defy Bloods. That doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> I am not really sure what to do with that information now. <laughs> yeah, so the guys who wrote the, the Rocketeer. Rocketeer also and the wrote, Flash 90s series wrote The Five Bloods. Um, I need a break. Can we go ahead and just stop <laughs> for a second? Um, I have to reassess everything I know about my life at this point in time. That no, that, what 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 range for yeah. them? That shows some talent there. Yeah, absolutely. Good for Danny and yeah, Paul. Yeah, they they originally wrote it back in 2013. Still working after all this time. Yeah, I mean they. I don't know if I don't know how much if they have a writing credit, but I know they were even involved in the writing of uh, Black Klansman, which is a so, great movie, first of all. But wow, so yeah, these okay. guys are still yeah, still these... cashing checks. Good, good job. Yeah. 
they did have comic book writers Howard uh, Chaikin and John Francis Moore, who served as consultants, uh, as well as writers on the show. So that's, again, I think yeah. it helps when you've got comic book people involved in comic book things. Agreed. I think trying to keep it as close to source material as you can for television in the 90s. And the only way to do that is probably to have people who work in comics work on the show. Yeah. Uh, originally, though, the pitch was for a uh, a series called Unlimited Powers. And that was a planned show in which it would feature a team. There would be Barry Allen, but Barry Allen would be in his 40s and would have just been released from a 15-year prison sentence because being a superhero had been outlawed. What is this, The Watchmen? Yeah. It would be about him then, I guess, teaming up or working with a group which would have included Green Arrow, Dr. Occult, Block, Wally West, and then Oliver Queen's teenage daughter. And not a soul would have watched the show. So they made the right decision, in my opinion. I, I don't foresee or a past C. Well, ba- based off C. of that Justice League of America that they tried tried to do later in the 90s. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that that going over super well. It sounded like they were trying to Batman beyond Barry Allen. Like they were going to make him older and oversee this crime-fighting brigade. Well, it kind of made sense a little, and we'll probably talk about this more, but Barry was not the Flash at this point in the comic books. Fair. He had... He had, quote-unquote, died back in Crisis. But he was the most... Uh, crisis on Infinite Earth. So. Arguably the most popular and well-known Flash. So if you're going to do a TV show, yeah, you're, you're going to use Barry Allen. But they definitely were going for an adult audience uh, because that's what the comics were going for at the time. I mean, Frank Miller's stuff, it was getting a lot darker. I was surprised at kind of what they got away with a little bit in a few of the episodes for the early 90s to be on CBS, to be honest. So, yeah, it was a... A, a little, maybe not darker, but more adult take on The Flash than yeah. you would expect. Again, I think it's that Batman '89 influence. Yeah. You know, they didn't want they didn't want something that was going to be, you know, the Batman '66, yeah. where it was just cheesy and corny. I think they kind of found a medium in this. Uh, sure, there's this there's show. some comedic moments, some goofy yeah. stuff, but still some things. And that it definitely, as the show goes on. It bleeds more into that mm-hmm. campy. Uh, yeah, it aspect. does. It and we're trust me, Laramie. We'll I, I will get there if you we'll don't. Get into okay. It. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the characters as we've already talked about. Barry Allen, the Flash, played by John Wesley Ship, uh, who, if you didn't watch him in this, like I said, he played um, Henry Allen in the Flash, and then would later return. In this, because the, the whole multiverse thing, he would turn as Jay Garrick on The Flash. I'm my own grandpa, also. And then he even came back as this Barry Allen on The Flash. So he played, quote-unquote, three different characters on the... Well, I mean, they had the Harrison Wells that just played uh, all different okay. versions yeah. of himself. So yeah. not not way out there. We're talking about range, that's range also, just to play... Yeah. And people who might be might uh, also be familiar with him, Uh, he was Dawson's dad on Dawson's Creek. I have very few "quote unquote" man cards left. I'm gonna keep this one because I've never seen Dawson's Creek. I I, actually haven't either. I don't. I don't know. 
Do you know what the uh, the area code is or the zip code is for Dawson's Creek? They have a zip code. Yeah, for area yeah. Code? They said it. The be- yeah, they said it in in the beginning of every show. I've nine oh one oh eight. I've never seen the show, Larry. You know nine oh one oh eight. Yeah, yeah. You you hear that at the beginning of every show? They went nine oh one oh eight. I don't want to help my. Kid. <laughs> I don't know that's a theme song. <laughs> Beginning of every everyone there. Oh man. Okay. Good for you. You got me. Thank you. Again, didn't know that was a theme song and it was so confused until you hit the the tune perfectly (laughs) for me to know what it was. Okay. Yeah. Can't wait to use that on a Dawson's Creek fan. (laughs) All right. So uh, John Wesley's ship, again, playing Barry Allen here. Barry Allen first appeared. Hold on, Paul. Uh, Sorry, show- stop. Who did he play on Dawson's Creek again? I've forgotten who he played on Dawson's Creek. He played Creek. Dawson's dad. Dawson's dad. Okay. I completely yeah. I was lost in the moment of 90108 there. All right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Proceed. You're good. Uh, so Barry Allen's version of The Flash, again, not the first Flash because that was Jay Garrick, but Barry Allen's version of The Flash first appeared in Showcase number 4 in October of 1956. This is actually what is marked as the beginning of the Silver Age of Comics. So Superman started the Golden Age. Then it was uh, almost 20 years later when The Flash premiered in Showcase number 4 that that began the Silver Age, which is where you start getting more of the sci- mm-hmm. science fiction aspect of comics. Which makes sense for The Flash. Yeah. and uh, But this version of Barry Allen is kind of an amalgam of the comic Barry Allen as well as Wally West who at the time was the Flash in the comics because Barry had sacrificed himself at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And that's actually one of those comic that, you know, we always joke about how no one stays dead in comics. Yeah. Barry Allen stayed dead for 23 years. Long time. Before he came back. Long Before time. they did the, the rebirth storyline. Uh, so, pretty impressive. And what's funny is, like I said, he started the Silver Age, Crisis on Infinite Earths was right there at the end of the Silver Age and started the Modern Age. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, or the Bronze Age, as people call it. Uh, so, so Barry Allen, very important to uh, comic timelines here. Uh, in, also... In a lot of ways. Yeah. The connections he has with Wally West is Wally West. It is known that his top speed is the speed of sound, which they kind of imply is as fast as Barry can run on the show. Uh, the whole burning calories and always being hungry after he uses his powers, that's a Wally West thing. Uh, and then, of course, the whole Star Labs connection. Star Labs was uh, was introduced with uh, Wally West. So so there you go. What would you think of John Wesley's ship as the leading superhero character? I mean, the man's got the look. I will say Yeah, that. he looks like a superhero character. Like, he, the, the chiseled jawline... Uh, a couple of episodes where he's like in a tank or kind of like he's got some muscle. He had some build to him back yeah. in the day. Um, I almost would have rather seen a suit without all the padding in it, uh, if I'm being honest with you. So, yeah. so no, he does. He does a great job of playing both the Flash and I think a partially aloof Barry Allen. You know, he's got that affable kind of goofy guy yeah. next door thing going on when he's Barry Allen. And then uh, he does he does a good job playing the Flash. I don't know how no one figured it out because he doesn't change his voice at all. There's no, no yeah. different intonation. 
Um, but it, aside from that, a, a great job. No notes. <laughs> uh, then your second lead, Dr. Tina McGee, or Christina McGee, uh, played by Amanda Pays. Uh, this is, I don't know if you know this, if you know who I'm talking about, but I know some people out there will, especially Tim Williams and people who are connected with the 80s. Tim, shout out. But this was right after she was in another show that is kind of one of those that is thought of fondly but often forgotten, Max Headroom. I do not know what that is. Okay. So there was a a sci-fi show called Max Headroom, and she was on that show almost playing a very similar part. Uh, Like a scientist role kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. So... So that you had that connection. Now, Tina McGee, Dr. Tina McGee, is from the comics. She is from Flash number three in August of 1987. And she was meant to be a love interest for Wally West. Okay. So, again, not Barry Allen. Back to the Wally, Wally West, West house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the story she tells in the first episode about her husband dying because of a failed experiment, that kind of also came from the comics. Uh, her husband actually becomes one of Flash's villains called Speed Demon. Uh, and then he ends up in a coma. And of course, she kind of acts as the Oracle character for Re- the show. Really, Yeah, really a Barbara Gordon. That's exactly what I thought. Barbara Gordon, yeah. Oracle. And this was before that was really right. a trope. Right. Like, she's probably, she might, I didn't d- dive kind of, in enough. Kind of at the beginning be the of original. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. And then you'd get with, you'd get, uh, you know, Chloe Sullivan mm-hmm. on Smallville yep. would kind of play this role. Okay. Um, then you have Caitlin Snow, even though she would later become uh, Killer Frost, but she would kind of have that part on the new Flash show, her and, oh, I forgot the other okay. scientist. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I did, again, I watched enough of the beginning of the new Flash to know vaguely who you're speaking about so yeah i mean she could have been on the cutting edge at this time um i know you asked me how i felt about john lester ship playing the flash i don't know if you're going to ask me how i feel about uh the um, what's her name again sorry dr tina mcgee no what's the, the actress's name oh amanda pays amanda pays um i'm just going to go ahead and say this everyone else other than john wesley ship tries really hard they gave they give their best effort in acting and that's about all i can say about anybody else <laughs> on the show they really try eh, it's not that bad there's a lot of soapy it's... vibes going on okay I'll, I'll give you that which oh. john wesley ship was a soap opera actor before he there it is this, so. there it is and and yeah i don't know there's just a lot of a lot of overacting it feels like a lot of very much grandiose uh, acting going on. Uh, then you've got the quote-unquote sidekick for Barry, uh, Julio Mendez, played by Alec a Desert or Desert. I don't know if there's supposed to be a, any type of not sure. emphasis on any part of that. Accent there, yeah. Um, uh, he He's an actor, as soon as he popped up, I was like, I know you from something. Okay, tell me, because I want to know. I knew. Go ahead, please. Okay, so the first thing was, he was, I did watch this show. I I, I might be ashamed to say it, but I did watch this show. He was a member of The Heights. Do you remember The Heights? It was a, a television show super, on Fox. Super vague. And um, they, they, were, they were kind of like an attempt to create a band. Yeah. So it was a it was a drama on Fox, but they actually they had that song "How Do You Talk to an Angel," 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was the bass player, but and that... I only want to really bring this up because his character on the Heights was named Stan Lee. Mm, what a tie-in. What? Yeah. The Laramie, the, your research knows no end or bounds. Like that's a, that's well, that's an even better nugget than the first nugget you laid today. But that's okay. That's not where I know him from. I know. That's what I said too. Hold I on. said, well, that's cool, where? but that's not what I remember him ho- from. Okay, so hold on, because I would have known him. He would have he would have had to have been older in whatever I know him from. But the not face, too much older in what you probably know him so from. So familiar, and I'm trying. Like I can see the face I'm thinking of. Okay. He's in a suit. Like I, for some reason, okay. when I'm thinking yeah. of him. Yeah, okay, so then I think I know which one it is. I had two that you might know him from. Okay. I'm going to go with the one that's probably not it first. Okay. But this is the most recent. Okay. So in the early, early, mid, late 2000s, there was a sitcom starring Ted Danson called Becker. Yeah, I mean, I remember Becker. I didn't watch it. He he played Jake, the blind guy. He's a boy meets Becker. world, Laramie. He's yes. Mr. Williams yeah, of Boy Meets World. He's, yeah, Mr. Turner's oh, friend, Mr. Williams yes. okay. on Boy Meets okay. World. Oh, God. That was it. Yep. Oh. That was it. As soon as you wow. said suit, I was like, yeah. okay, he remembers him from Boy Meets yeah. World. Yeah. Oh, wow. I couldn't yeah, place was, him. But when you said Becker, because I remember that wasn't exactly the same time frame. but No, it was I, after. Yeah, yeah, it was after, but I can still remember those, I guess the Becker reruns. Or not the, the Boy Meets World and Becker kind of running at the same time on different channels and flipping through. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good, good for Al- Alex, right? Yes. Yeah. Good for a lot of people here on this show. Now going back to the talking about his character being named Stan Lee on the yeah. Heights. So he's actually a voice actor. Probably does a lot more voice work. And I found out that he voiced Nick Fury on the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, He's the show that came on Disney XD. Killing it. Just all over the superhero market. And when The Simpsons, uh, just a few years ago, when The Simpsons went through all of the changes of uh, trying to get more ethnic actors right. uh, voicing the characters, he is currently the voice of Carl on The Simpsons. Okay. I, again, not a big Simpsons guy, but I, I know enough pop culture to know that the changes they've been trying to make, so... Cool. So yeah, he he's been the voice of Carl since 2020. Man, I loved Mr. Williams on Boy Meets World. He was like, I know he yeah. wasn't on there a whole lot, but he was one of my favorite no, characters. Those early early yeah. episodes. One of my favorite characters. Faded away yeah. as they also <laughs> had Mr. Turner yeah. get into the motorcycle crash yeah. and then just forgot about him. Right, just didn't didn't, didn't keep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He he's he's like a father figure to Sean. No longer next episode, no no mention of him anymore. He doesn't ever hear. Then he doesn't get mentioned again until. And luckily, they fixed all of that in Girl Meets World. Like they did bring him back for Girl Meets World. Did I haven't watched Girl Meets World, so I didn't watch a lot of it. But does it does it ruin Boy Meets World? Like if I watch it, no, not ruin. Okay, no, okay, no. It's not as good, but it doesn't. Yeah, I don't want it to stain my memory of Boy Meets World at all. Yeah. No, it's definitely when you watch Girl Meets World, the show is for your kids, uh, but then there's a lot of references for the parents that are sitting there watching. That's it. great news because I don't have any kids, so that'd be yeah, fantastic. Then uh, I, the rest of these are kind of just some people I decided I'm going to talk about because those are the only three main characters. Yeah, re- I mean, you've got the cops really. that are the lieutenant is yeah, uh, but. I wanted to mention these people. So first up is Dr. Desmond Powell, a.k.a. Nightshade, 
played by Jason Bernard, who did you recognize him? I did not. What would I have... He's the judge in Liar Liar. So the oh, main I the can, main I case can vaguely yeah, he's the see judge that. in Liar Liar. Okay. He was also Bethany happened to be watching this the other day, so I caught this. He plays Sandra Bullock's boss in While You Were Sleeping. I see. I've never uh, seen While You Were Sleeping. And then I remembered him from a short-lived sitcom called Herman's Head. He was the boss on that show too. Some, yeah, look up Herman's Head. That, that's one I wish I could find somewhere like in syndication. Your Internet Archive but, doesn't have that somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it does. Let me check that. Okay. But this is, I wanted to bring him up. He's only in a, in two episodes, but he is absolutely a version of Wesley Todd's The Sandman from the comic books. Mm. I mean, his costume looks, exact, yeah. the, the gas mask, yeah. the fedora and suit with a trench coat. I mean, he is absolutely supposed to be the Sandman. In fact, they, they've, they kind of reference it because in the episode when the ghost, the villain, when he comes back, uh, when he is unfrozen and goes and visits his former girlfriend, Belle, mm-hmm. he asks her to sing Mr. Sandman. Yeah, he does. Okay. So I, I, I'm like, that had, had to, to be, be intentional. Saying, yeah. We are letting you know. We can't, I'm guessing we can't use the character of the Sandman. We're going to call him Nightshade, but, but it's, yeah. just, it's Sandman. Yeah. So, but I want to, and this might reveal something that I'll talk about later, but he was so good in that role. I think he did a great job. Uh, so when I, I guess earlier when I said everyone just did their best, the cameos end up being pretty good for the most part, and that's probably the best one. You really? You say that one's the best one? I really. You know, you know who I'm going to talk about next. I probably know who you're going to talk about, but <laughs> I enjoy. I, I enjoyed that episode. It's not in my. It's not in my. You know, top ones, but I enjoyed that episode enough to where, and I think it was because I liked him in that role. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that. I, he just he that it, it might just like, be his it's, acting. It suited him. Yeah, he played yeah, that. It, he just felt so comfortable right. in that role. Agreed. It it really you watch that almost wondering was this a character from like an old television right. show or right. Yeah, he, yeah, he did like, a great job. Yeah, it's it's almost like he had been playing that role for a while. Uh all right, moving on, we got James Montgomery Jesse, aka the trickster, played by a Pre-Joker, Mark Hamill. <laughs> it's it's a cool... Th- but, I don't know. I guess the reason why that one is not my favorite is because it's like... Is he the Riddler? Is he the Joker? Is he trying out stuff before Batman the Animated Series gets out? And I know the Trickster is his own thing. I, I was about he, to say, yeah. The I Trickster know, debuted in not, Flash I, 113 in June of 1960. He's no, he's not a copy. Yeah. But I get, I don't know. I, it just, those episodes didn't do it for me. And I wonder if it's because it happens later on in the show and it had started to take this non-serious turn. And then we get this serial killer yeah. popping in all yeah. of a sudden and it becomes serious again. And I just, I don't know. It, it didn't do it for me. Yeah, it, his char- this character was very interesting because they do introduce him as just this psychopath. Right. And then he becomes a Batman 66 villain. Yeah, like a, a character, a caricature, yeah. sorry. Um so yeah, it just didn't it didn't it didn't land for me. All right, well continuing our uh now trip into the Rogues Gallery of this show. Uh next up we have Mirror Master Sam Scudder. Played by Keith from the Partridge Family, David Cassidy. 
of course, the Mirror Master is from the comics, debuted in the Flash 105 in March of 1959. Uh, yeah, Keith David Cassidy, he's always going to be remembered as the kid from the Partridge family, but no, he cannot act. Uh, I don't even I didn't even know that was David Cassidy. And I could tell you right now, he couldn't act either way. I would not, I would not care to see anything else he's in, ever. Maybe maybe one of the least believable characters on the show. And I, I'm assuming my feelings are that way because of the acting being so bad. What did you think, too, of this being, a, I guess, a, a more trying to fit with the 90s and so instead of really mirrors it was these little hologram discs yeah what is i don't know dude it was but yeah they still called him mirror master it was strange and i guess technically that's a mirrored surface of some sort yeah it it still didn't make sense though because there were these di- these discs that he threw to create the holograms but then the holograms could Would move, move around, around and <laughs> so it wasn't actually a they mirror re- yeah and they would react to what was happening sometimes, but then other times they were just on a loop and it was, yeah, that was weird. But again, that's a later episode. And as we were saying, like it gets zanier and zanier the later it goes. Then we also have Leonard Winters because they had to go for the pun in the last name (laughs) who played uh, this show's version of Captain Cold. Uh, Again, they changed the last name because in the comics he's Leonard Snart. Mm. But yeah, they had to go with Winters. I mean, uh, here he is played by Michael Champion. Uh, of course, Captain Cold is, debuted probably one of the earliest uh, Flash villains. Debuted in Showcase number eight, which was just four issues after Flash was introduced in June of 1957. I do want to point out, though, for people who aren't as familiar with Captain Cold, Captain Cold's one of those villains in the comic books that he actually. It's the whole reason why his gun just freezes people. Captain Cold is actually against killing. Like he does not want to kill anyone, but yet this guy. Oh, he ruthless. Yeah, that was his whole again going for that that psychopath. That was his whole aim. Thing. He was killing people for money for no reason yeah. for all kinds. Hired of, assassin. Yeah, hire, he was a hired gun. But what were your thoughts on on just their version of Captain Gold? I don't know if you want me to get into that right now because it's one of my top three episodes. Okay, well, we can talk yeah, about it later. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, yeah, because there, we are going to cover the entire series. Uh, this isn't one where we just picked a few episodes, but yeah. I figured later that Blake yeah. and I would share our top yeah. three favorite episodes and that we could focus on Didn't want to jump the shark on the three episodes, but you were kind of forcing my hand there with <laughs> asking me. So, no, I think, I think it's a, a fun episode. It walks a very fine line between being too serious but not too funny and i think that uh our guy leonard winters was a was a pretty good captain cold so yeah for later on though all right so i did want to mention because she is such a big part of the flash in the comics but iris west is in this show yeah hardly uh, <laughs> yeah she's in the very first episode in name only never well, no, you see her. But you know, I mean, like uh, for the most part, of her, she absconds to to Paris and pursues what yeah. a painting career, right? She's yeah, she's an artist. She's an in artist this one instead of okay. a reporter. Yeah, it's like the prequel to Emily in Paris over here, except it's Iris in Paris. Yeah. But they 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 apparently wanted to push the Barry being single. Didn't want to go ahead and have him in a relationship. 
But uh, I, and then that, that also help tease with the with the Tina with Dr. McGee. Will, will they want they whatever? Yeah. Does it not? It ups the stakes more when they have some type of romantic love interest, though. I don't know it why you would. I don't know why depends. you would steer away from that. I mean, it's like moonlighting. Like moonlighting has become the staple of relationships in TV okay. because moonlighting, highly successful television show, and it's the will they want they. Yep. And as soon as Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard's character actually got together on Moonlighting, the show tanked. So, <laughs> Jim and Pam kept the office afloat for a long time. Okay. Yeah. It can work. It can. I'm not saying it can't. It just. I wish they would. I wish they would have done it here. That's my druthers. Yeah, but uh, of course, Iris West uh, is from the original comic showcase number four that Flash premiered in. I did want to mention she is played in this first episode by Paula Marshall who some people might remember from the show Nip Tuck. Uh, and more recently, some of you might remember, she played Beverly in the movie Malignant. Oh, so, Malignant, terrible film. Nip Tuck, great show. Okay. Yep, she had a recurring role. I didn't write down the character name, but she had a recurring okay. role on Nip Tuck. Uh, then we also had another love interest of The Flash who only appears in the first episode, and that's Linda Park. Uh, here, played by Mariko Say. She's there. She's a reporter that interviews Barry at one point, and then she's never seen or heard from again. Uh, <laughs> she, of course, in the comic books, would eventually become the wife of Wally West. Uh, so they had both Barry's future wife in the comics and Wally's, and Wally's future, future wife, wife in the comics. So They I, both appeared in the first episode and were never seen again. I'm interested to hear your take then, because you mentioned two love interests. Uh, Terry Cronenberg, also a reporter in the Captain Cold episode, very interested mm-hmm. in Barry. Would you not call her a love interest? Or was she only would, after the story, she, I guess? I, well, I also didn't mention her because she's not from the comics. She was created for the show. I mean, I didn't know if people were just talking love interests uh, in general. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. They. I mean, they had to, again, they had to throw something in because they couldn't just all of, they couldn't go straight into the relationship between Barry and Tina and... Uh. So, I mean, there was several episodes where Barry had, like, a date. Yeah, or had a, somebody going yeah. on. The, the best romance, him and Julio. Bromance for life, okay? <laughs> That's the only one he needs, I guess. I did like, too, that they kept the Tina and Barry relationship, you know, almost like siblings. Yeah, for a and I was, of, I was, da- I was yeah. down with that, for sure. I think it would have been weird if they had become romantically involved. They had a very involved. platonic yeah. Yeah, relationship. And it was only those... Which I did read, uh, John Wesley Shipp actually said that he was confused by that relationship because they'd read one script and they'd be flirting with each other in the episode. Then he'd read the script for the next week and they'd barely talk to each other. Well, to be fair, after I... It were I Barry Allen and I saw her choice and her uh, taste in men after the second episode, a big red flag for me. I would have probably been been out also. Uh, but we also, you mentioned cameos. There was a lot of, I uh, say a lot, there's a handful of people that popped up on this that would later become even more famous. You had comedian Richard Belzer, who had a recurring part as Joseph Klein. This was, of course, before he, even though he's a comedic actor, he, of course, would be even more famous as a uh, actor for Law & Order. Um, but this was before that. Uh, and I do want to mention his character. That's why I uh, mentioned it. His character actually would later be introduced in the comics. Oh, okay. But not until 2006. So 
25 years wow. later. They just decided, let's would actually, throw him in here. Yeah. Uh, and then there were there were episodes that featured Jeffrey Combs, um, Angela Bassett, Jerry Ryan, and then the one that shocked me the most, Brian Cranston. Was he uh, in an appearing. episode? Yes. The, the one, he was the mobster that was after the baby. That was Brian Cranston? That was Brian Cranston. You got to go back I and watch it. I got to go back and watch it now. What, what uh, episode was that? What, I can't like, remember, remember the what title. the title was. Oh, yeah, I it was the didn't one, even realize. Yeah, it was the one where the girl is protecting the baby and he's the uh, the mobster that's after them. Wow. Uh, but okay. yeah, that was Brian Cranston. So even though we've already talked about all the characters for a little bit, I still have to ask the question. Who do you want to see again and who do you wish would be struck by lightning but not given superpowers? <laughs> always, always good to hear those. Um, I... <laughs> I, I again, I enjoy John Wesley ship. Uh, I kind of regret not, and maybe I need to watch the new Flash, the Arrowverse Flash, just to see yeah. him show up in there. I think we already hit on he does a great job of playing both the Flash and Barry Allen. Um, and I again, I don't know what he did after this that was big, but Dawson's Creek. Dawson. Okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I. I wish you. I wish you'd have gotten more roles. I wish I would have seen more of him growing up, uh, but I don't recall seeing him. Um, who would I like to see get struck by lightning? Um, I can't pronounce his name. So for everybody that I think I've said this before, everybody doesn't know. I am hard of hearing, so without closed captioning, it's tough for me to hear things. Who is the the older gentleman that's always calling Barry with tips? Fazaway, Fezer. Oh yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of his name either. But one of the most yeah. annoying side characters I think I've ever is like informant. Yes, yeah. I, I could struck by lightning. I would be absolutely fine not seeing him in any more episodes. Which uh, I will point out that actor, very very popular character actor, who was actually in the original Little Shop of Horrors, the Roger Corman. Oh, okay. Uh, black and white little shop of horrors. Yeah, I'm sure he is very popular in certain circles, just not this one. <laughs> yeah. So the great thing was, you know, talking about wanting to see John Wesley ship again is not only he, but Amanda Pays and even um, Alex Desert. They all uh, they show up in the Arrowverse. These one? roles on yeah, okay, on the Arrowverse. In fact, uh, Julio becomes. I, I don't know if he's police captain or chief of police uh, for Central City, oh. uh, based off of the Flash show. Just climbing the ranks, getting getting yeah. up there. Um, who are who are you uh, wanting more of and less of? Again, I, I'm with you of, you know, I I think this is John Wesley Ship. You know, when you think of, you know, who's your Flash mm-hmm. growing up, same way we think Christopher Reeve Superman, Michael Keaton is Batman. You know, John Wesley Ship was yeah, the, the Flash. Flash. So, okay. again, I... I I, that's why I was so excited when he was on the Grant Gustin uh, CW version of The Flash. Real quick, was that a surprise to the world, or did people kind of know that was going to happen when he showed up in that the That he Arrowverse? was going to be playing? Yeah. I think it was a surprise. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Good. I love that. I mean, yeah. I will say I didn't know until I sat there and watched the first episode. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, I'm probably going to have to go with Mirror Master. Like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Not, not for yeah. hologram hero, heroine, whoever. Whatever he is. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's, but yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, okay, 
Yeah, but not, now uh, Blake's got to go back and watch the uh, Brian Cranston. I episode. cannot believe, and it's um, I actually looked at it. It's like "Be My Baby" is the name of the episode, uh, okay. and Brian Cranston apparently plays Philip Moses, mobster yep. Philip Moses. Yeah, and I can't believe I did not realize that was Brian Cranston. Yeah, a young Brian Cranston before Malcolm in the Middle. Brian Cranston. I probably didn't recognize him with pants on after watching Breaking Bad. And seeing Mr. White, <laughs> or, or or as yeah, I think Bethany even made a comment of seeing him with hair. Yeah, with hair, same. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an '80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. All right, so let's get into the moving panels. You know, we've already talked about some of the the different connections. Uh, Let's talk about his origin. So, did you catch how similar slash different this Barry Allen's origin was? As in relation to which... Iter- to the actual comic book. To the actual, like, so, I'm, I'm going to be 100% right here. I've never read the comic book origin of The Flash. But you don't know what the I mean, comic book origin... The chemicals, lightning strikes, you get yeah. like chemicals spilled and... I, yeah, I, I'm assuming that is pretty on par with what the origin. Okay, so Barry let's 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 go away from how he gets powers though. So you know, like Spider Man is influenced by the fact that his uncle, yeah, you know, Uncle Ben is killed. Okay, yeah. Do you know what inspires the Flash? I mean, I know you've seen the Flash movie. Yeah, I've seen the Flash movie. So and then the flat the CW Flash television show. Does it? You know what the whole point of Flashpoint is? Yes. So, what is it that motivates that motivated Barry Allen to want to be a good guy, a superhero? His his mother being murdered. Yeah. 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 Okay. Did that happen in this show? No, it didn't. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to. That's what I was trying to get at. Like, are we comparing it to the like everything I know about the Flash? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, his like brother is like. Struck down, which he doesn't have yeah, in the comics. Which he doesn't have in the comics. He's the only books. child yeah. in the comics. Yeah, yeah. His brother gets struck down instead. Yeah, I I don't mind the swap of the mother and the brother so much. Um, again, it doesn't stick with what we know as as comic lore and origin, but it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't throw me for a loop so bad that it took me out of the the episode of the show. So did you? Do you remember what his brother's name was? Was it Jay? Yes. Okay. Like Jay Garrick, Allen. Like Jay Garrick. Yeah. In fact, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong. Did his brother not look like Jay Garrick? He Jay Garricky, Jay Garrick esque. Yeah. He had the the white silver yeah. hair yeah. and 
kind of the more tall, slanky uh, look. Yeah, I, did, I just found that interesting that they decided to go that route. Yeah, they go the, um, the brother instead of the mother. And then making him from a family of cops, which isn't true yeah, in the comics well, either. See, did, His dad's a medical doctor in the... Oh, okay, so I didn't know. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure where the family origin was from either. If they just made that up, they took it from the comics, but good to know. Yeah. All right, so again, like I said, we don't want to talk about uh, all of the episodes. There are a few that I wanted to kind of mention. Um, but we're going to actually talk about what we thought were our favorites and then we'll d- dive into those maybe a little bit more. So, uh, I'll let Blake you, just name one of your favorites. So let's, let's I actually really first. liked episode two out of control. Okay. Cause I, I I'm is, just going to go ahead. Is and that say, like your least favorite? That's my least favorite. I, I love a good, like Island of Dr. Moreau, like genetic mutation, Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, uh-huh. like yeah. I, I a, a Hulk ripoff. I enjoy it. It's a Hulk ripoff. So sue me, okay? Yes. They literally named the character Doctor Tanner. Yeah. Okay. Just because it rhymes, with, just because it rhymes with Banner, but I, I don't know. And he becomes a rage monster. You, it's the Hulk. You you asked for my three favorites. I'm just I'm just giving you what my see. I'm a little disappointed you didn't pick my least favorite. But we'll get to that that in in just a bit. Um, no, I again I like the I, I don't know I like that kind of storyline. Like I yeah. really wish I would have leaned more into the animal aspect of it as opposed to the human aspect of it because I really felt like that's a pathway to Gorilla Grodd. Like that's what I True. that's what I feel like that episode was hinting at was the appearance later on of Gorilla Grodd, although. Because Grod, Grod was in the original Flash, correct? Like he he would have been a character. Yeah, Grod yeah. would have been a thing at yeah, this time. At this yeah. time. In okay. fact, in fact, there's a mention of Gorilla Grod uh, in the Deadly Nightshade episode. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So and uh, and I even I even think in the Trickster episode when they have the costume party, uh, the fact that Garfield so is dressed as, a, as gorilla. a gorilla, I think that's supposed to be a nod yeah. to Grod as well. So no, I I like the episode for those reasons. I get it's a ripoff, and I kind of felt like you were going to call me on it. I didn't think it was going to be your least favorite, but nope, it was my least but, favorite. Uh, but I, I do get calling me on it. It is a, it is a valid point. Again, I, I picked it as my least favorite just because it just felt like a, a Hulk ripoff. It was one hundred percent. I mean, it was the first true episode. Yeah, because you, you know, it's after the, the, the whole or, setup the, of the pilot and everything. Yeah, the pilot movie. Again, this was back an when hour and a half, did. dude did full movies for their pilot An hour and a half, uh, which I think on television was a full two hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, so it felt, it was, even though this was kind of the show, it just really felt like the whole monster of the week, you know, villain of the week episode. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with and those so, feelings. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention in that episode, there's a part where Barry receives a, uh, a phone call and they're asking for backup at the corner of Gardner and Fox and Gardner Fox is the co-creator of Jay Garrick's the flash. Nice. So nice a lot little, of, a lot of cool nods, there. a lot of cool references. I'll get to a couple of more of those in my other episodes, but yeah. So what's okay. Right. What's your first favorite then? So my first, now I, I will say these are not in any order. Correct. Just no, my correct. Favorites. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my first favorite I have listed is the shroud of death episode. 
because I felt like that episode really felt like a cop drama. Shroud of Death. Help me, help give me give me the quick play by play. That's the one where they're having a race against time to stop uh oh is that um, the the, 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 the anar- angel of death the anarchist yeah, the angel of death. yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay i was i was sitting here going the the, the, the yeah. assassin had a name no, yeah the, she, yeah the angel of death is where they had to because it was really like a, a crime drama you know they were putting together the clues and okay you know they were tracking so it wasn't relying on the superhero aspect yep. that, that so, was a good episode it didn't make my top three but that was a good episode um, so I, I'm going to see your shroud of death and I kind of already mentioned, I'm going to raise you Captain Cold. He's a, okay. he's a classic, you know, uh, flash villain. I think for the early nineties, they did a great job of portraying Captain Cold and his abilities and powers. I liked the actor. I don't, I apologize. I don't know his name who played Leonard Winters. I thought he was just creepy enough without being over the top creepy to do a good do a good job there. Um, and I don't know, I just I, 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 despite it being a later episode, again when we've said things get a little zany, it was still grounded enough in comic books that I felt I, I felt I enjoyed that episode more than some others. Yeah, I'll say, and Captain Cole was played by uh, Michael Champion. Michael Champion. Um, yeah, I although I couldn't find an awful lot that he had done. I, th- I think he did else. a great job. Um, but no, I agree with. That. I would say of the the rogue gallery, the comic book villains, it was probably the best interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know straight out of the comics like the trickster, but not extremely m- <laughs> changed up yep. like Mirror Master. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a good. I, I'm not against that episode. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good fit. Uh, I do want to point out you mentioned the uh, the reporter that's in that episode. Yeah. Uh, Terry Cronenberg. They call her you know, Lois she, Lane at one point. They call point. her yeah, Lois okay. Lane Just at one make, point yeah. in that episode. Another cool, yeah. another cool little Easter egg. Yep. Uh, my next one is Ghost in the Machine, which I mentioned earlier. That was, was a, a good episode. episode. They yeah. introduced Nightshade. That was a good episode. Um, yeah, I love them giving Barry a mentor yep. and having that aspect. Uh, <laughs> I will say, though, it is a very 90s episode because when the ghost... Uh, again, he's frozen himself and he wakes up in the 90s in 1990. And there's a part where he's looking at a television and he says, 173 channels. This is the future. <laughs> and now, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. It's a really good episode. And it's tough to go wrong with a mentor episode, so to speak. Uh, it allows for the main character a lot of introspection and a lot of kind of kind of looking at themselves and what they're doing and learning from someone who's quote unquote done it before um, which leads me kind of into my third favorite here so twin streaks was my third favorite and okay. that's where he gets cloned and I, again yeah. I've got a soft spot for for superhero episodes and movies where the superheroes like fatigued and tired and run down and has to kind of uh, again, take a step back in some some ways, but also lean on the wisdom of others to kind of help guide them to being a better superhero, better person. And I think Tina says to him, you know, you've got to slow down and you, you can't keep running yourself ragged. And at the end, uh, Barry watches, quote unquote, watches himself die. Yeah. And I think he makes the comment like I've I've learned I need to kind of take my time. Now the the rest of the episodes he's running around like he always does. So clearly he learned nothing. But 
I like <laughs> I like the sentiment. I enjoy the sentiment. Yeah, I like. Of course, the the character wasn't wasn't from the comics. You know, he was called Pollux mm-hmm. in this. He's clearly like a ma- mashup of like Reverse Flash, yeah. but I think also he's like a Bizarro. Bizarro, because he was like yeah. a, a child the whole time. Yeah. Um, but even the the purple, the yeah. blue bluish purple suit that he had yeah. on kind of uh, paid more nod, I think, to to Bizarro. And it was a, like I said, it was uh, a, a fun episode, but still had some serious yeah. tones to it that I enjoyed. I will say this is again me being kind of uh, just poking fun at stuff. Uh, at the end, when Pollux is dying in Barry's arms, they cut to a shot of Barry and Tina, and you can tell that what John Wesley Ship is just, just holding, holding the, the suit. costume. He's okay. just holding the costume. So <laughs> yeah. between that and I, I love how throughout the show, I was primed to expect some type of CGI to happen because the screen would look completely different than it did any other time. And I guess that was yeah. because the tech at the time. You had to have a certain, I don't know, got a green screen there, or you had to have your your film done a certain way. But I I could tell when they were going to do something CGI because the complete look of the show would change as far as the yeah. the coloring, the saturation, yeah. the and the tint, and it was just, that was just funny. I got primed to expect something CGI to occur. I will say they did a pretty good job. There was, it was one part where where there's one part where the the two are. Uh, seeing each yeah. other, and they actually, I think, do they shake hands or they, they pass he takes, something? He from takes one the hand? wallet. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. He takes the wallet, and I'll, I'll say that looked pretty seamless it's, for the, a 1990. Lot of the, a lot of the CGI is not awful. You go back and watch it; it's not terrible, especially the time uh, that it was. And a lot in. of it's practical. It's very practical. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's practical. Yeah. I mean, him running, even though they do an effect, like some of the times, it's a practical shot. Of him, like yep. up against the side, you know, someone the bad guy <laughs> looking at him through the window of the car, <laughs> and he's right there. Uh, so my third one, which is kind of funny because you've already mentioned how much you didn't like this, uh, was actually the last episode, Trial of the Trickster. Oh, god, oh, okay. But the reason why I liked it, the yeah. reason why I liked it is I thought, okay, this was this is the first villain. That has, uh, well, not the first villain that has repeated because they had that Pike from the yep. the original comeback, but this was the first of the Flash villains. Sure, the the actual Rogues to, Gallery yeah. of his, and it was clearly like they they were thinking ahead. You know, if there was going to be a second season, we're starting to establish stuff. But on top of that, seeing Mark Hamill <laughs> develop the Joker through this character, I was just gonna say. It's you can see a direct line. Yes. To see him develop the Joker. And then I I didn't find anything that confirmed this, but you've gotta think that prank, this version of prank was an inspiration for Harley, Harley Quinn. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you you'll find no argument on those points for me. The episode as a whole, I still don't enjoy. But yes, you can see, again, a direct line from Trickster to Mark Hamill's Joker and the inspiration for Harley Quinn. I think a lot of it was right there. And if you've never seen Mark Hamill, which Mark Hamill returned in the CW Flash as the Trickster. Oh, okay. Yep, he returned as the Trickster. Um, 
But if you've never seen Mark Hamill's Trickster, just watch watch one of these episodes. I would say what I would say Trial of the Trickster more over the first one he's in, which might just be called the, the Trickster. Trickster. I, I think remember. it's just the Trickster. Yeah, I think it's just called the Trickster. But go and watch Mark Hamill as the Trickster. You hear that voice, you hear that. Then you go see, you know, Batman the Anime series, and of course his famous, infamous voice is the Joker, mm-hmm. which very similar. Yep. But then, if you've never seen this, there is an episode of Justice League Action. Now, this that was a cartoon that came on Cartoon Network that I think a lot of people have forgotten about because it was kind of you know cheesy, yep. cheesy and all that. But there is an episode of of Justice League Action in which Mark Hamill, the actor Mark Hamill, is kidnapped by the Joker and the Trickster. And so the entire episode oh, is Mark Hamill. He just voices all Mark three? Mark Hamill voices all three characters. I have to go, and it I is, gotta go find that it is now, yeah. a wonderful episode uh, show to watch. We, we might... We might find a way to get that yeah, in here. Do a one shot, do like just a watch along. A, yeah, on yeah. the episode. Do a watch along on that episode. Uh, okay, that is again impressive uh, on Mark's part there. Yeah, I've seen some interviews where he does the Joker voice live, like you're watching actually him do it, and it's yeah. it's very trickster. Like it's it's a cool it's a cool watch to see him do that voice. So uh, your top three, not not a lot of argument. Um, your worst one. I, I don't agree with, but I respect. Yeah, I, and I respect your decision as well. Possibly the worst near hour of television I have ever watched. Okay. okay. Episode 21, Alpha. Okay. Yeah. That I will was say so I considered that one. Bad. I considered that one. Yeah. Between the writing on the episode, the acting, the acting. on the episode, yeah. the you want to talk about ripoffs? The direct Terminator ripoff of yeah. Omega, from the look to the impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, to, everything about that episode is rancid. Yeah, I, I will. I no, I'm gonna say I did consider yeah, that one. It's as bad. My favorite. It, so, it yeah, again, I'm right there with you. one of if not the worst hours of television. I've ever watched. And it's no surprise to me, and I was kind of looking at this as as I was looking at episodes, that the viewership numbers. So this thing premieres at 22 and a half million viewers. By the end of our run, we're down to 9.5, 8.4, up to 10.4, 8.4. The finale ends at 11.4 million. Half of what it started out, Laramie. I I, yeah. I think, and I don't know if there's a reason for this. Maybe you can shed some light on that for me. I, but it's I think, it, it yeah. drops drastically, and I think part of it is how bad it got. Well, I don't know how much of it was that and how much of it was, as we talk about a lot when we talk about some of the failures of this, how much just uh, interference from, you know, studio network mm. uh, type interference. So this show premiered, on a Thursday night at eight o'clock, uh, up against the Cosby Show oh, ooh, on NBC, tough competition at the time. Uh, then, when Fox decided to move The Simpsons to Thursday night at eight o'clock, oh. uh, CBS said, "Okay, we we can't go up can't, against can't both compete the Cosby with The show. Simpsons and The Cosby yeah. Show." Yeah. 
they originally moved it back a half hour. Um, so it was up against a different world on NBC, which came on after Cosby show. And then there was a show called babes that came on Fox, um, which I had never heard of. Um, and why, while you're going through this, for those of you young enough to not understand, you had to pick one show yeah, to watch yeah. during that time. No recording, no streaming. You picked a show and that's what you stuck with for the whole season. Yeah, unless you had one of those fancy VCRs Ooh. that would let you record Ooh. one channel while you watched Man. the second channel. When we got one of those Laramie, I thought we were yeah. we were on top. I was like, we have made yeah. it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, you when you got three, you know, Cosby Show, yeah, Flash, and it. Simpsons, you still you couldn't do it. Uh, but then the problem was, so this Thursday night, which you know NBC used to call Must See TV, was Thursday night. They then moved it to Saturday. Oh. Yeah, people always talk about Friday night kind of being the death slot for a television show. Nobody's at home on Saturday night. No one's going to be watching a show on Saturday. And then from what I read, they started messing with the time slot even. Ooh, okay. Well. And and again, talking about 1990, 91, you know, the only way you knew when something was on was you found it in the TV, TV guide. guide. And so I think people just didn't know when this show came on. Interesting. Okay. So I, I think that had something to do. I'm not going to say I'm disagreeing with you about the campiness and the cheesiness not playing a factor, but I also think, because if you go to like IMDB and you look at the user ratings, like they're all in the 70s and up. Okay. You know, 75 might be one of the low, like 7.5 because it's out of 10. So, so it's it was, it was dancing around so much that it was tough to yeah. locate and watch. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, I think that had something to do with it. But before we uh, get to our final decision, I wanted to point out some of the comic references, as I mentioned earlier with uh, Garner Fox, that were in these. Uh, So in episode three, Watching the Detectives, the story is about an arsonist that Barry calls Firebug, which I think would be a reference to Firefly. Um, uh, Tina also is on a phone call, and uh, she talks about uh, Dr. Carter Hall, Mm. which is Hawkman. Yep. Uh, in episode four, Honor Among Thieves, there is a car crash at 4th and Garrick. So there's another Jay Garrick reference. Uh, episode five, uh, I think the villain in episode five, who's the guy with the crazy thing on his head that controls Barry, uh, I think he could be a reference to the puppeteer, who was a Green Lantern mm, okay. uh, villain. Uh, also wore sunglasses like this guy, always put the sunglasses on. Episode seven, uh, Child's Play, featuring the late uh, Jonathan Brandis. Barry vibrates through the wall, which he first did in March of 1959 in Flash number 105. Uh, there is an, a mention to Arkham in that episode. Mm-hmm. They talk about the Arkham expose. Yep. A- and I think that villain is also uh, similar to a DC villain named Count Vertigo. Um, and funny enough on this one, they wanted Alice Cooper to play that part. Oh. Alice Cooper turned it down, though, because he did not want to play a drug dealer. Oh, good for Alice. So, kudos, yeah, kudos that's, that's to Alice good Cooper. for Alice Cooper there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, that's where... He, this is episode seven, and some of the cheesiness is already coming in, because if you remember, Flash defeats them by playing the electric guitar. Yeah. It's, it's again, it just, they had sprinkles of some good episodes later on, but it started downhill for me. In episode 12, The Trickster, there is a statue of the flat, the Flash. Uh, this can't have been true because it looks like Alec Ross's 
uh, version of the Flash from Kingdom Come. Oh yeah, but Kingdom Come wasn't written until '96. So did, did Alex Ross draw inspiration from? Uh, I don't this? know. <laughs> um, and then I've already mentioned in the costume party, Lieutenant Garfield's dressed as a gorilla. And then if you look in the background, there's a guy dressed as Superman. Oh, so, I missed that. Yeah, Superman exists apparently in this universe. Yeah, wow. Okay. Well, Lois Lane exists, so you would think. True. They mentioned Lois Lane. Yeah. Uh, in episode 13, Tina, is that you? Where they do this crazy thing and oh, Tina becomes bad. Oh. There, There is a mention of Keystone Drive, uh, which Keystone City is the home of Jay Garrick and Wally West in the comic books. Uh, Barry travels through time in episode 15, fast forward. So big thing there. But uh, the Flash Museum, which is in that episode... That, of course, a big thing from the comics, first appearing in Flash 154 in August of 1965. Uh, let's see. I think I've mentioned most of these. Oh, and uh, the Done With Mirrors, the Mirror Master episode, Barry's undercover name is Professor Zoom, <laughs> which is great. And and funny enough, John Wesley Shipp would actually voice Zoom on Batman the Brave and the Bold. It all comes together. Again, yeah. absolute knowledge drop. Again, did not know that. Very cool. And then throughout the series, there's mention of uh, an area of town called Helltown, which is from the comics. And then there's the Infantino Hotel, which is named for Carmine oh, Infantino. Infantino, who is the guy who created Barry Allen. Uh, so there you have it. So let's go ahead and get into our final decisions. Bag it, stack it, or trade it. What do you say, Blake? Uh, I'm stacking it. It's enjoyable enough to watch, I guess for me, once every almost 30 years, I guess. <laughs> uh, but going back and watching it, again, it's it's not an awful watch. No. It's not something I would just absolutely trash. There are some great redeeming episodes and moments. Um, I, if you need a list of what to skip, ask me, not Laramie, as he skipped Out of Control as one of his worst ones. Uh, which is a great, great episode. Um, no, it's it's a stack it. I'll hold on to yep. it. I'm not I'm not going to bag it. Obviously, it's not something I want to keep in pristine condition. But it's okay to sit on the shelf for me to return to every now and then. So I I went back and forth, and I ultimately am going to say bag it. Wow. Um, okay. And it's because of something I mentioned earlier. Okay. This show. This show and John Wesley Ship as the Flash. This should be put on the same pedestal, in my opinion. Uh, maybe a little lower pedestal. But this should be put up in the same area as Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, as Adam West's Batman, as Christopher Reeve's Superman. You know, as just... these. Th this is what originated this character live action. Okay. Um, yes, the show may come off cheesy, uh, especially for modern audiences. But that's because our... Our knowledge of the way television, the way television is, and the way television is done has evolved. Sure, but the way this show balances the superhero stuff with the non-superhero stuff, like I mentioned, one of my favorite episodes, the one that's mm -hmm. more of like a crime drama, I think it does that so well. I mean, we've talked about the whole show how John Wesley Shipp does a good job with both yes. the Flash. And Barry Allen, Agreed. which is something that we don't always say about actors that play superheroes. They're usually good at one, but not the other. Mm -hmm. um, again, this show suffered from network involvement. 
it also suffered from production value. This was one of the most expensive shows in the 90s. It is estimated that it cost $1.6 million to produce each episode. Wow, that's probably a wild number if you go back and look at... For 1990. Yeah, 1990 yeah. That's like probably a crazy number. Yeah. And then, of course, they were given the rules from the network of, we don't want you to do supervillains. So that's why the the episodes deal more with actual crooks and mm-hmm. and gangsters and all. And it wasn't until the network started not paying that much attention that they started throwing in the actual super villains. Um, and then, like I said, CBS started moving it around. Um, it had to compete with the Cosby show and the Simpsons and then just not people not being able to keep up when it came on. Uh, I also think it suffered from, this was the time of the Gulf war. Mm. And so people were distracted. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of other and, things going on. Yeah. Uh, so it didn't have the viewership, but as I mentioned earlier, it it was good ratings-wise. If you actually look at the ratings, the ratings were pretty consistent. Um, and, and it actually was a surprise that it got canceled. But like I said, I, I think that also came with the money. Um, but I, I love that they, the at least the main characters from this, got to come back in the CW show, and they all kind of had their their uh, farewell. Send-off, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, they they all had a proper send off in that. So, so for those reasons is why I just I just go into Baggett. Yeah. Um, okay. Just because it's 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 one of the one of the founding fathers of superhero. I like it. Superhero stuff there. So, even though it's one of the ones that people typically don't think of or remember. All right. So, anything? Any last words you got for us, Blake? None that are worth repeating. I guess no. <laughs> But yeah, if you can find it, it's not streaming anywhere, which is kind of a bummer. You can find a lot of episodes on YouTube. Uh, I did discover, uh, and I mean, I I have it on the the full series on DVD. Uh, it's unboxed set, and I actually found out that one of my discs was messed up. So I went looking to see if I could find a replacement. And hmm. this thing's not not expensive. I think no, you can buy the whole series. Well, I mean, for I like watched it bucks. Uh, on the Internet Archive website like you yeah. can go in there and watch the the whole season and yeah i, I guess final words it, it is worth a watch if you haven't watched it in a long time yeah. or if you've never seen it and like laramie said you want to see one of the ogs of superhero television this is this is one of those yeah. um and and feel free to skip around yeah it's it you don't have to watch it in chronological order 20 yeah. yeah and you don't have to watch all 22 episodes no uh yeah, you do have to make sure you watch the trickster. The trickster episode, but other than that, but, you can kind yeah. of bounce around. It's it's uh, there are there are quite a few of them that are worth a watch. Yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and wrap things up for today. Thank you, Blake, for joining me. Thanks everybody for listening. We got some exciting stuff coming. Uh, Valentine's Day is on the way, so Bethany and I will be doing our date night review, uh, and then we've got March Madness where we're gonna dive deep into Watchmen and finish off our Alan Moore. We can do it. <laughs> uh, and then we got some more exciting things coming as uh, summer approaches that uh, I can't wait to tell everybody about. But we'll go ahead and end things today. Rate and review the show. But for today, for Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. <laughs>